Welcome to The Sea is Medicine, where we explore the ocean's power to heal, inspire, and transform our lives. If you'd like to support this passion project, please go to www.anchor.fm forward slash The Sea is Medicine and click on the support button. Your help is greatly appreciated and keeps this ad free. My special guest today is Katrina Liana, or better known as Kat. She was born and raised in Southern California and would camp off grid with her family exploring the beauty of California and the surrounding states. This sparked a sense of adventure and a mindset of keeping it simple. She was presented with opportunities as a young adult, which kept her career driven and financially secure, working with Apple and Miramax in the television commercial and advertising industry. In her late mid-30s, she was introduced to sailing and prepared for a journey offshore. She schooled herself in this amazing life, ultimately becoming self-sufficient, skilled in navigation, rigging, anchoring, electronics, materials, etc. While she was sailing offshore, she would feel a sadness, not being able to connect with others. Um, however, after time passed, the sadness shifted and she felt complete. She felt at home and she was comfortable in her own skin. Eventually, sailing brought her to this special place called La Cruz de Guanacaxle. And today, she organizes programs with sailing kids, seminars for sailors like herself to share their experiences and helpful tips. She's also involved with nonprofit organizations that protect marine and land-based wildlife in Bahia de Bandaras, Mexico. Okay, welcome, Kat. This is so fun because we are actually live in person together sharing a microphone. So let's start out by telling us where we are. We are in La Cruz de Coxley, which is in uh, Bahia de Banderas, Banderas Bay, as most people know, which is located near Puerto Vallarta, which you obviously know. <laughs> um, I consider La Cruz de Coxley part of the North Shore of the bay, and it's just right below Punta de Mita, and it's a very cute little small fishing village, and uh, very rustic, but very cool at the same time. Okay, and now, like, where are we sitting? Tell us about this special um, patio that we are on right now. All right, so we are at the Cruiser Comfort, and it's located at the PV Sailing Loft here by Marina La Cruz. Uh, the Cruiser Comfort is a very cool spot for boaters, primarily boaters that are out in the anchorage and moving about that need a place to look at cruising charts, um, mechanical manuals for their engines, a kids club for boat kids and women who sail gatherings as well as barbecue potlucks to network all the boaters that are going to be heading out each season. So it's a really good network. It's a free space, donation driven. Donations just cover maintenance of cleaning 
and uh, it's a it's a really cool spot and it was really inspired from being a sailor and a cruiser and knowing how important it was to find our community wherever we go yeah yeah this is really amazing all the charts and the books and just it's such a wonderland it's so cool and the sense of community too which is um really cool and what i've seen you build here in the cruise so let's go back a little bit and tell us about how you got interested in sailing what, how, what got you all the way to mexico let's let's dig in here did you grow up by the ocean uh yes i uh, grew up in southern california los angeles near the santa monica um, area and spent a lot of time as a child going to the beaches yeah. was not a sailor um, was not so much a water person other than playing in waves, but um, when I got older, I was near Marina del Rey and I started noticing these vessels and people on them. And it was really interesting to me that people were actually living on them. I found it very odd and I remember going on the first boat ever, it was 40 feet and walking in and I was shocked and asking people, where do you sleep? Where do you, how do you cook food? Where do you take a shower? And they said, oh, it's great. This is a 40-foot boat. And I said to them, it was so small. I said, it was the size of my closet. And the <laughs> response back to me was, well, do you live in your closet? <laughs> and I said, I do not. But they explained to me how important it was to have an uh, amazing backyard and have the ability to have a capsule that can take you anywhere you want to go where you're self-sufficient. And it really struck me as a very exciting way to, to travel and to experience cultures in remote areas. That's cool. So, so you 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 saw this boat. You saw the possibility. It opened up a whole new world for you. And then, how did you get into it? Uh, I actually was working in marketing and advertising for television, and I ended up meeting a sailor. And this was located all in Marina del Rey, where the studio was, a post-production studio. So I met this sailor, and he was a surfer and we got involved and I was very intrigued and we had started dating and he was showing me the boat that he had had at the time. I couldn't tell you a lot because I didn't know a lot back then and all I know is it was a Harden I believe. It was a Harden. It was definitely a, a beautiful, solid, seaworthy boat. He sold it as we were dating, and he told me he wanted to buy a boat and go to Panama. And he said I would have to get rid of my career, get rid of my house, get rid of my car, everything, and pack everything into a backpack. And I could sail with him to Panama. And I said, okay, and I called his bluff, and I did that. And then he was scared to death. <laughs> and I was... <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, my, my clients were shocked. And it was pretty amazing because... Then he had to explain and get rid of all of his stuff. He didn't think that he would meet someone that would be willing to do that. I was keen to do that because I felt that it was something that was going to challenge me and I felt unchallenged in my life. I felt like I was living a constant routine. Oh, uh, yeah. And I felt like this was something that was scary to do. And it was going to force me to learn a lot of things like rigging, sales, weather, electrical. <laughs> Everything. Everything and provisioning and um, and just fear that most of us have, which is being alone a lot and not having the ability to always call someone or see your family and take chunks of time where you actually 
get to know who you are. And uh, that is a big fear that I think a lot of sailors have, and it takes a lot to put yourself in that position. Yeah, that's a really deep, deep thought and so true, right? As a human, we all have, we all experience loneliness, whether we realize it or not. It is a reality. And what was interesting is, let's fast forward a bit. Once we did end up buying a boat together, it wasn't the proper boat to go, but it was the boat that I learned everything on. Mm. Um, my first job ever on a sailboat was to replace every single hose clamp. Oh, wow. And that, and not only replace it, but take the layout of the vessel and know what every hose clamp went to and every hose and what purpose it had. So that was just teaching me the layout, which was really important because obviously anything with a hose clamp and a hose is obviously going through a hole most likely. <laughs> and you want to make sure you're not going to be taking on water. So it was a it was a good eye opener. I remember replacing a fuel line, um, re-rigging a vessel, one of our boats. Um, in this whole time frame, with my ex, he's my ex now, but we had owned five boats together, and we wow. worked on them ourselves. We did all the work. We did not outsource. We didn't know if we didn't understand what we were doing. We studied and we did our homework, or we hung out with professionals that guided us what to do, and. It was the best school I ever had. It was amazing. Um, we left in early 2000 to cruise to Mexico. We went up to Sea Cortez. We spent three years cruising. And at that time, there wasn't Facebook. There wasn't Instagram. There wasn't the Google searches were very minimal and YouTube information on sailors, especially women sailors that were supporting each other. So I ran into a lot of people that were retired in a whole different age group and it was it was extremely lonely and I didn't have a lot in common other than sailing with this group but they all treated me like their granddaughters so they Aww. really took me in and I felt like oh, this cruising community is so amazing how much they supported every single person on a boat that's where I was learning more about these groups of gatherings and how important they were to find these community of sailors because that was your family when you're away from your real family. Yeah, that's really cool. Wait, so you did not end up going to Panama? We did not end up going to Panama because we fell in love with Mexico. Oh, we fell in however, love. you did cruise. We, oh, yeah, we spent three years cruising up. We went to Ciudad Cortez, and we went back. We sold our boat. We bought another boat. We kept buying boats and fixing them and coming back down to Mexico. We were oh, wow. Okay, um, brilliant, brilliant. After Hurricane John... That was 2006. We were done with Sia Cortez because so many hurricanes kept going up there. It was like Hurricane Ellie. So we oh. were like, we're done with this. So we sailed down to Banderas Bay and fell in love with it. And I realized the protection it had from the Sierra Madre mm -hmm. during hurricane season. It, would, yeah. it was like, it would just veer off every system that was building. And I was really comfortable with that. And I said, I can, I can dig this place. Yeah. Um, back then the marina was being built it wasn't done they were dredging at the time so we came sailed in we saw that they were building the break wall and the port captain wasn't here because it was December so we pulled in and anchored next to the dredging machine <laughs> and it was nice we had protection from the swell so it was a really nice um, time to be anchored out there before the marina got built up because of the break wall oh wow um, then 
we were curious what we were going to do next. We didn't know. And I remember in 2006, we'd stayed here for a year and then we sailed back up to San Diego. And we looked at each other and said, what should we do now? And we sold our boat again. <laughs> we were already looking for another boat. And I had got hired by chance a fluke on a mega yacht. Oh, wow. I was sitting outside of this restaurant called Red Sails on Shelter Island. And I started to, they said they were looking for a stewardess. And like, what does a stewardess do on a yacht? And I didn't even, and I couldn't even fathom how big 132 feet was. And I'm reading wow. it. And I emailed the captain and immediately he responded and said, can we have a meeting? I'm like, sure. And um, he's like, I, well, let's have an interview. And they were in Seattle, Mercer Island. So they flew me up there and I was able to have an interview and they hired me because of my experience of sailing up. They knew I had no experience on a yacht, but they said, a stewardess does cleaning. You don't need experience for that. And then I thought, well, I don't care. I'll, I just want to see what this yacht looks like. And What I, an yeah. experience. So it paid extremely well, and it was, a, it was cool. I remember going to the Delta shipyard. It was a Delta-built vessel. And as it came out of the hangar, because they just painted it, it just got bought by some new owners, and it was just like insane watching this huge ship come out and and they were just like let's go get on board here's your uniform we're gonna get it splashed we're going through the locks we're going to lake union i'm like what are the locks and they're like oh. <laughs> they're like the locks are when it's going from freshwater from seawater we said i know but seattle like i wasn't familiar i'm thinking panama locks. right <laughs> so anyways we i ended up on that yacht for two years and that was an amazing experience and it was very cool and it challenged me and the captain knew my ability on board and just bumped me up they put me through my stcw so they were training me to get my captain's license oh, and it was awesome um, they had me running the crane on board working with the engineer in the engine room it was it was incredible it was by far the i couldn't believe i was getting paid for it i was like you gotta be kidding me i'm getting paid to like travel and luxury we didn't charter so it was privately owned we barely saw the owners so it was just like yeah. it was ours it was like literally our boat and being a sailor anyone knows if you're a sailor and you're on your boat I don't care if you're retired and you're on your boat it is a job so I was doing nothing different on this 132 foot yacht that I had done on any of my boats that I owned it was just in a larger scale but it was the same thing and there was one thing I always learned if you're on a boat and you have nothing to do you shouldn't be on a boat Ooh, will you repeat that? Because I think that's a good that's a good line. <laughs> if you're on a boat and you have nothing to do, you should not be on a boat. Because there is always something to do. Yeah. Half the time you are cruising at maybe five knots. Half the projects we did were underway while we were going five knots. Like, I was constantly doing my projects. Wow, When yeah. we did pull into marinas, we hardly did at the time. But when we did, it was, we would do jobs that we needed power and we didn't want to, right. yeah, so we didn't want to use all our resources from our solar that were feeding our batteries and all that. So we'd pull in a dock and plug in and start doing projects. But I realized the projects we did at the dock were more, they weren't practical projects for the function of the boat. <laughs> they were just more things that were hard to do when we were in the anchorage. And, and then we would start new projects and new projects. Then we would end up in a marina for a year. And it's like, wait a minute, how did this happen? 
do we really need this cupboard? Do we really need, you know? And <laughs> so we had to like really break ourselves from that and take the boat and get it back out. And we agreed. I really appreciated this about my ex was if we can't work on our vessel underway or at the anchorage, we should not own it because these projects are going to come up to us and we shouldn't have to pay someone if we can't do this. So there was a lot of it boot camp, I'll call it. Before we left to start our first cruising season, I spent a lot of time at shipyards. I spent a lot of time with electricians, diesel mechanics, yeah, a lot. And I still keep in touch with the diesel mechanic that I love because he occasionally, now that social media is up, will credit me when I get discredited in a group and write something and they're like, she doesn't, and he's like, oh, you don't understand. You don't know what this girl's capable of. She's worked on Perkins 4108. She's done this. And right. I do get intimidated by the industry. I do get intimidated by the women as well. There's some amazing women captains out there. And by far, I'm not an expert sailor, but I am a sailor. Um, I'm not a racer. Mike is. Yeah. But I do enjoy going on the fast boats. It's yeah, exciting. that looks fun. But the reason why we never made it to Panama was because we fell in love with Banderas Bay. I fell in love with La Cruz. Yeah. And I knew in my heart that this was somewhere I wanted to make home. After moving so much, I loved it. But I was really craving trees and a yard and animals. Yeah. I was craving that that actual and it sounds ridiculous but I was craving that kind of having a semi-routine that would allow me to develop things that I was really passionate about and I'm finding these passions I didn't know I had working with children on boats working with women who are sailors that were in that same area I was in years back where right. I was looking forward to finding a group like a yeah. woman that would say hey let's get all those women together and talk about things that we've learned together I didn't realize that how much I was going to get involved with picking up trash and being concerned about what trash was doing to marine life. Right. I didn't realize that I was going to become so passionate about crocodiles, the whales, oh, yeah. the turtles. I didn't know that there was something in me driven that was going to, that made living here. You learn a lot when you sail and spend a lot of time alone and hours and you see beauty. Yeah, meditation, right? self-realization and and that oneness and that connection yes. to the whole universe i was feeling this thing of settling for some reason because i'd spent all my younger years always traveling even before sailing so it was kind of neat to go wow i'm just gonna i want to develop something i want to see what i have in me he was ready to continue to sail mm. panama never happened for either one of us <laughs> Well, it's like you grew, right? Like you came together and grew, and then now it's the other paths. We, and yeah. I love how you ended up here because it's sort of like the perfect merging. It was the perfect and is and will be. Um, and this may not be my end game of where I spend the rest of my life, but this taught me many lessons. And it really opened my eyes because my life prior to sailing, sailing was all a part of it, the ocean, right. <laughs> being out there. But that changed who I was before because I was definitely into materialistic things. I was, my thinking was a lot more shallow than mm -hmm. now, my judgment towards 
people and things and the environment were so entirely different. So when you kind of get thrown into an area that's very, as much as people tell me like, oh, well, there's hardly any water pressure and there's hardly any of this and there's dogs everywhere and iguanas and it's dirty. And I look at it as it's gorgeous and beautiful and real and it's, and nobody, everyone's real here. Everyone's so real to the point where there's no one trying to pretend to be someone else like you see a lot when you live in a city Ugh. and you have the facade of who you are and what you wear and how you live and what you drive here it's like they could care less and I love it you know you look at people around here and you just think like wow this is how people should be when I look at how much money I spent in a day in California on superficial stuff to now it's amazing like now when I feel like I'm protecting whales today and this is what I'm investing in it's better than me saying I'm investing in this car or to be at this restaurant or this club or buy these clothes or have this purse or you know <laughs> yeah. and now it's like no this is going to go to turtles and this is going to go to the orphanage and this is so it is pretty incredible sailing actually completely transformed your life and the way that you lived, the way you thought about life. Yes. And I guess you were probably subconsciously drawn to that. I was drawn to that because there is something really incredible, um, especially when you're sailing at night. Um, it is kind of scary. You're dependent on systems and you're looking at it and you're dependent on yourself and your own ability. But you, this movement of the ocean and the smell of the ocean and that feeling of it on you and, and it, it just feels alive. You feel alive. Mm. It's just like this, it's an amazing feeling. And I've been now in La Cruz. We sailed in here for our final sail. It was in 2010, right before 11. So it was just right around Christmas. I have not left here. I have not even left. I mean, I had to fly, I'll take that back. I had to fly back a few times, you know, and just do stuff in the States, fly back and forth. But I've been here this whole time and I have so many friends that keep inviting me to go to like San Sebastian and Guadalajara and, you know, San Miguel Adonde. And they're like, let's go. And I can't get myself away from the ocean. I can't explain it, but I told them, you don't understand when, I know there's all these cool things inland, but this bay, I can't explain the ocean. To me, I would rather go put a tent on the beach and spend a week there, right here. <laughs> and that would be my escape. Not going and saying, oh, I need to go to this town or right. this city or this, you know, and they're like, well, there's this incredible hiking, but then I go to these hikes that are incredible, like Monkey Mountain, yeah, where like you could so see. Close. And they said, don't you feel like trapped here? I'm like, no. Like there's something really powerful. And it is something in this bay. Like I'll go to Yalapa and it's like a whole different area of the tropics because of obviously the way the, the layout is. We're more drier on this side, obviously. That's why we don't have all the waterfalls and as much palm trees and all that crazy jungle. But I can go over there in three hours and I feel like I just went to a whole different world. And it's, 
you know, and then I can go to downtown and go, oh my gosh, I'm glad I got this whole chaos out of my head. But every time I look out and I see the bay, it just brings me this center. I could be here the rest of my life in this bay. Yeah. And, and when people say, oh, don't you ever want to go home? Don't you ever, when are you going to go home? And I'm like, well, what do you consider home? Because when I started sailing, I realized my home is me. Ooh. And it was where I went. And I realized that it didn't matter where I would go either. Nothing's going to change because I'm going to continue to be who I am anywhere I go. So if I'm looking for something and I need something different, a different location to be at, it really doesn't matter because you need to be really confident and comfortable in who you are wherever you go. I have friends right now that are soul-searching of where they want to be, and I get it. Everyone should have that. But you will recreate exactly the same pattern anywhere you go. It will recreate itself. You will, you will bring the same individuals into your life. Different people, but the same type of individuals. You'll have the same type of environment. You'll continue that pattern. And if you're not comfortable with it, then you'll just continue to travel and search for it, no matter what. And you'll keep reproducing that same pattern. And then there's a time I feel like when you actually get to settle. And it's not for everybody, I understand that. But it's almost like when people say, I want to retire from a job. You don't ever retire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because if you were to stop doing something, you would go insanely crazy. You'd have to sit in a recliner chair and do nothing, which is impossible if that's considered retirement. I realized that I got out of my comfort zone of people I wanted to be around, things I wanted to do, and I think that's how I started. I don't have children. I didn't want children because I was not a child person. And here I am in love with the kids club and I look for people with kids. Like these are things <laughs> that I got out of a comfort zone and getting me sailing got me out of my comfort zone. But being with someone that was in a pattern on a boat, which can happen. Right. Well, I think like just even from my experience and, and my own spiritual practices and things like that is that, yeah, it's, a, it's an ongoing practice. Yes. It's easy. It doesn't matter what you can fall right. into creating these patterns. Yeah, a pattern. And, and again, what I was saying earlier is like a pattern can be good when you're challenging yourself in it. So when I say like the turtle camp, like I'm like, oh, I go there and I help them. But then I'm like, all right. And I'm like forcing a group to go with me so we can go and do this laborious hard work in the heat, which I'm like, it's still something I go do, but now I made it harder and more difficult, but then I made it more rewarding because I'm like, this is what these people have to do right. at the camp. And they do it all the time, and we're just helping them. Like, like, you know, and I start to see things and picking up trash all the time and knowing that it's a never-ending battle and it'll never stop. But somehow I feel like if I can make a point that is a problem here, that's all I want to do. So that one hour is not because I'm going to save the world, but it's going to show people that this is a problem and it's also going to affect us here. The marina has been wonderful. They've picked up on a lot of the programs that I do, which I love. They've gotten more um, effective with picking up trash, helping us when they're 
when something goes on with marine life they they've been a good they've been really good um i actually which a lot of people don't realize but i actually volunteer for them oh wow okay so this is something yeah so this is <laughs> something that is yeah it's wild so when i was here i was creating programs because i wanted to start to meet people nice and i was in the anchorage we were anchored out and it was 2010, 11, and the marina was fresh and new. There weren't many boats in here, and I was sitting there, and I was like, oh, we would show movies on our boat. We'd invite people in the Anchorage. Oh, fun. And they would sit in our cockpit, and we would watch all these cool movies. And then all of a sudden, um, I asked the marina if I could show movies at their amphitheater, the outdoor. Right. And the harbor master's like, what do you mean? What do you want? I'm like, nothing. I just... It would be cool. And I think people would start to want to come to the marina. And I wasn't even in the marina. I was in the Anchorage. And he's like, okay. So we go over to, we go over to the amphitheater. And he goes, well, what time do you want to show it? I'm like, uh, I'll meet you here at 7-ish. It was high season. So the harbor master meets me. And I'm like, okay, 7.30. We're going to do movie nights at 7.30. I'll bring the movies. I'll put a big sail up. I'll bring the projector. I have all that. He's like, okay. And he said, just manage it and don't let people go on the docks. And I was like, <laughs> okay. And that was like the first thing I was doing. And then he, he was comfortable with that. And then all of a sudden he said to me, there's gonna be a seminar for people that are crossing the Pacific called the Pacific Puddle Jump. Can you help me, Kat? I go, what do you want? And he goes, well, I'm not gonna be here because I'm gonna get in later and blah, blah. Can you just make sure they get in the round room, the VIP lounge where we do seminars? And I went, okay. And then I was there and I'm like, this is kind of neat. So then I was asking him permission if I could have seminars from friends I knew that were experts because I knew all these experts yeah. that were on boats. And he's like, well, okay. So then I said, can I get on the radio in the morning? Because we have a radio show on our VHF radios. All the boats have them. The marinas have them. And there's channels that we all communicate on. So it's like a radio show. Yeah. And it's about 20 minutes long. We have topics. And I said, can I announce on that? Um, the stuff I'm hosting at the marina and he's like I don't care you know he's like but what do you want I'm like nothing and so he's like all right <laughs> then um, I put a calendar together on my boat and I asked permission if I could do a bonfire on the beach and they said sure just make sure that it's not it doesn't get out of control and you guys cover it after right. I said okay so every full moon I looked it up on the internet and I'm printing calendars and I'm announcing on the radio, and I'm going in my dinghy to all the boats and giving them a calendar. Oh, that's so And sweet. they're just like, who are you? Like, what are you doing? I'm like, this is great. We're going to have these talks. We're going to do this and that. And so I was printing that. I was giving the marina office a calendar. And I said, give these to people that check in so they know what's going on. They're like, okay. And all that's going. I'm on the radio all the time talking. <laughs> and everyone's like, who is this person? <laughs> and... That's how it all started. And then we pulled our boat into the marina and they wanted to give us a discount. And I said, no. I said, why? And they said, because boats are coming in for these events. And I said, oh, and I said, I don't know. I said, I, I, because I said, I don't know what I'm doing and I don't want you guys to get all crazy on me. And I said, I don't, I'm really not sure. I'm just winging it, but I don't want you guys to like, I don't want it to feel like a job. I'm doing oh, it for that's fun. interesting. I did not want it to be work. I wanted it to be something I was just creating 
that I was managing on my own. It was not to be work. So they were like, okay. Of course they were okay with that. <laughs> they're like, sure. Right, right. They they're were like, totally okay. Thanks. They're like, well, you're crazy, but okay. Yeah, exactly. For two years, was doing all this stuff with the marina, and then I got to meet all the owners. And this one owner said to me, I really want to take care of you. We want to give you something. The marina, you've been doing so much. All these boats are coming in. They're asking who's on the radio, who's doing announcements, you're doing seminars. Yeah, it's and, a lot of energy. And he said, I don't, I feel like you should get something, compensation. And I said, I didn't come here for that. And I'm afraid that if that happens, then you guys are going to alter it, what I'm doing. And it's not to make money because everything I do is free. Wow, that's, that's pretty beautiful. It's rare to find things for free. It is. So this is where it got even more interesting. So they said, fine, well, okay. And then they thought, well, you have the apartment, so that's cool. Yeah, well, I mean, that's they a thought, good yeah, energy you have your Yeah, so they're like, we're totally cool with that. I respect the fact that they let me use the property. I have permission to do almost anything there as long as I manage it. And that's all I want. So it's like your parents' house. Just make sure no nothing breaks. <laughs> Everyone's safe. And it looks the way it did before everyone got there. Right. And that's what my commitment to them. So I feel like I ended up with a lot of real estate to do stuff. And I was able to continue. And this is why the Cruiser Comfort was so important. The Cruiser Comfort was started by a local woman named Maru. And she was dating a sailor named Jeff who was anchored out. And he gave her the concept. And this was back in 2012. And they were running it. But then he got sick. They moved to Europe for medical stuff. He's okay now. But before he left, it was like 2015, 16, he asked Mike and I if we would continue Cruiser Comfort and support the fleet and the anchorage. I said, absolutely, because I was an anchoree. So anything I could do to help. So that's how we shifted all the charts and everything here. And I'm hoping that we can continue supporting the fleet the way we do today. And I think all Mike and I ever want, Mike is great, PV Sailing Mike, <laughs> my partner now. He is so supportive as well. He does a lot of free um, volunteer work to help the boaters. And all we want in return, we don't look for money. We don't look for, you know, I don't, it does nothing for me if the boats are in the marina. It does nothing for him if they buy a sail. Like, there might be a kickback for him but what we really love is when people say thank you or we hear a wonderful story of how something that happened here impacted their future in sailing and what they're doing on the ocean and that it was inspired from something that was created here with the cruiser comfort and the talks and like that to us is is our our core heart like we'll sit there and we're like yes this boat made it to Tahiti and this couple did this they were afraid to and they came to all the seminars and these kids are doing that like oh my gosh I have so many amazing kids that are growing up on boats that from 2011 when the La Cruz Kids Club started and they're going to college now and they call me for reference letters and I'm like oh my gosh so I'm writing these college letters to get them accepted to these universities telling them what they did in the kids club working at restaurants picking up trash building stuff out of trash, repurposing it, you know, volunteering at, you know, crocodile sanctuary and whales. And so it's kind of a neat thing to see this whole thing. It's like a, it's a family of boaters and all we have in common is the ocean.
Yeah, that is really beautiful. I'm curious, do you think that if you had not had the financial means that you had, do you think it would you have, would have made a different choice? No, I wouldn't have. I would have ended up doing seasonal cruising, which is what a lot of people were doing, where you park your boat and you go back and you work. Because remember, when I started cruising, the internet was not what it is today. You were right. lucky if you had it. So if you were working and you were cruising, that meant that your boat spent more time in a marina and you spent more time back home working. Um, fortunately, growing up, I was, I was very fortunate because I was able to, my first career was working for Apple Computer. So I really ended up in a really good position and not having children, you know, and not being married and having a career really allowed me to financially get a good bump where most of my friends were still paying off stuff and paying off loans and they didn't have that option. Um, I got very fortunate with Apple and Apple for them to pay for me to get my certification to be a engineer. Um, not software engineer. I'm not a genius. I was a <laughs> hardware engineer. I call, I worked on the hardware. I'm like the mechanic. I didn't build the car, but I did all the mechanical work. So I did all the, yeah, just working on logic boards and yeah. sims and all that. So I was a techie. Nice. Back when, um, yeah, in the That's early neat. 90s. I didn't know that about you. I love oh, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was Well, my... I mean, it makes sense, though. You have that inclination, right? And then yeah. it was, e you could put that into the sailing and then the right. boat, too, which. And then my next career, which I didn't think was going to be a career, <laughs> was kind of by a fluke, was being an independent agent for directors in oh, television. Oh, yeah. That's and cool. that was also very lucrative. So having two excellent careers back to back very young and again not having a family and just right. it was it, it yeah it worked out really well so um I'm very, I was I was fortunate yeah I look now at how hard it is for my friends kids and I'm like oh that's crazy yeah um yeah it was it was wild that's great but I feel like yeah you still would have kept it a heart focused heart centered because you could have just Worked on boats and then been going kind of back and forth and still it, had. Yeah, it was something like, I don't know if you camp. Do you camp? I've camped in the past. Like, yeah, so there was something interesting. I grew up obviously camping. So I say it obviously like, you know, I can open it. But come on, yeah, no, I camp. I'm a camper. <laughs> but we were always camping. And that was a family thing every summer was to just go for two months straight and just camp and amazing beautiful areas all around every state of California just go and drive all over and it's so when I started to realize that you can live on a boat I thought this is actually a step up <laughs> <laughs> I love it and it was very attractive to me like I was like this is cool my ex and I we we kind of talked about it and we said let's see how much we can save knowing we had money to spend but let's see how much to save so we anchored out in Southern California for a year of just moving to different anchorages, which is difficult to do in California because it's permit driven. Oh yeah, so you only whole you have world. to keep getting permits to stay in all these different areas, and so we'd have to move our cars, take a train somewhere to get our boat. Like we were <laughs> moving around everywhere. So, but we were doing it as a test. We were trying to see if we didn't have any marina fees, and with our food, we wanted to see what we spent a month. So for a year, for a month. The most expensive thing was moving the car back and forth to go get it. Other than that, for eating, 
and us living and moving to get permits and all that, we spent $300. Wow. That would be hard to do now. And, you know, like we're not shoppers. We're not, you know. Right. So, and the one thing too, though, it's really important to remember is because we were doing all the boat work ourselves, we were able to work on boats and barter. We were doing this not because we needed it. We wanted to see how much money we didn't have to spend. So if we needed to get epoxy, which is expensive to do a project on our boat, and we saw that someone needed some rigging, we would do the rigging, they would give us their epoxy. Like we were doing this whole little thing and it was a test, it was a test run. Well, I love the like barter economy yes. and alternative economy. It was, and we were, and and we didn't realize that's when we were actually we were like, oh, we're actually pretty good, like, you know. And I would go to these places, these surplus places like Minis. It's a really big marine store that sells everything, you know, secondhand. And I would spend hours there, and I'd find gold and things that were so expensive. And I thought. And it was kind of funny because we didn't need to live like that, but it was so interesting to see the people who had to live like that on boats. Right. And I told myself, I will never, if I can't afford to sail because it's not, you know, if I, if I don't have, if I can't maintenance this vessel, if I can't move this boat on my own, and if I can't afford to be on it, I will not own a boat because that is so discrediting that boat right. and what its ability is to do and your lifestyle. Because then you will not take care of yourself. I know so many people that need dental work. They need surgeries. But they're putting every little nickel and dime into little things on their boat. And I'm like, that's not any way to live. If you can't do it, don't. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes you have to let it go. And let go of that dream. Because it is, again, you, there's always something to do that has to be done on a boat. I don't care. And it will surprise you. You'll sit there and next thing you know, your mast comes down. And you're like... It was that one shackle that we didn't replace. And you're like, great. Yeah, stuff happens all the time. And and people get bad backs, bad knees. There's so many things that are difficult. But it was incredible. I, It was the hardest part of my life. It was the hardest work I've ever done in my life. The sailing. Yes, learning it, learning. knowing okay. it. Um, I had to learn it on my own. We did that. I respect my ex for that. He encouraged me and pushed me to do all of everything dock the boat right sail the boat anchor the boat dive the boat boat. clean the boat yeah fix the boat i would be i'd be doing engine repairs people would come over and he'd be sitting there like where's cat and i'd come out of the engine room and like hey i'm in my office (laughs) we all full of grease they're like oh um and i liked it i re-rigged one of our boats all everything entirely rigged the entire boat and re, we had the spreaders redone that was a hard job to do yeah yeah it was pretty insane and but it was to the point where I was so confident with our boat that I had no issues and people would freak out she's driving the boat she's gonna dock it and I'm like I know what I'm doing I'd be eating an apple driving to the dock <laughs> calm down everybody I got this <laughs> do I want to sail again would probably be the next thing i most people ask me. Well, you do sail. Would I want to cruise? Would I want to cruise? Yeah. Would you want to cruise? And honestly, no. Oh, I, interesting. I love sailing. It's in me. I'm a sailor. I will go out and sail. I will do short passages. Yeah, you're out here on the bay all the time. I wouldn't want to because I really, I like where I'm at right now. I like having the limited real estate, which you know, here of what I have to do with rescuing iguanas, possums, 
I like having a dog, dogs. I like having the cats. Yeah. I like the trees. Yeah. I like the dirt. And I love that it's next to the ocean and I like that I can go out there, but I don't I don't have that bug in me anymore that I had when I was driven to go sail and I wanted like it was so it was in me it's like you have a sense of fulfillment and contentment now yes and And you have everything you love right you can sail go for a sail one day and then go for a hike all in the same day and we've done that we've sailed our Hobie over to little beaches here in the bay and it's like we're in a whole different place. We pull up the Hobie, we put the sail over like a tent, and we just sleep on the beach. We have our little ice chest. We have some food, drinks, we eat, we sleep, we get up, we wait for the wind, we swim a little, and then we sail back. And that, to me, is like the most amazing thing ever. And it's yeah. so simple. Yeah. So simple and not complicated. It was way more complicated when I was younger and I'd be like, oh, let's fly here and stay at this hotel and go to this beach and go take a ponga. And and then I'm just like, my God, that was just so much. Where Mike and I can just leave barefoot and walk down and get in our little sailboat and go cruise somewhere in the the bay. And and it feels like we went a million miles away. Right. And we just come back and it's like, it's like such a good reset. Yeah. And there are so many good resets that people should have. Two of mine, one is running. And oh, yeah. sailing. So those are my resets when I I just take it in. And, mm-hmm. and I need to learn how to swim better. Oh, I need yeah. to that. <laughs> well, you, running is hard on a boat. Yes. <laughs> running is hard on the boat. I spent a lot of times, we would pull into remote areas. And this was actually kind of hilarious. I'll share this with you. We would pull into places of Baja and down the coast here. And I would just take my running shoes. And I would take my surfboard, I'd put it in a dry bag, I'd paddle in, and there's nothing there. And I'd just put my board somewhere where no one could take it. I'd throw on my shoes, dry off, get my shoes on, and I'd have my music, and I would just go run for hours. I'd just run, and I'd be somewhere, I don't even know where I'm going, where I'm at. I'm running <laughs> either to a jungle or through a beach or a desert. And then every once in a while, I would be a rancher. <laughs> It'd be like, Ayura? Ayura? Like, you need help? (laughs) I'm like, no. And they're just like, where does she come from? This woman's (laughs) running in the middle of nowhere. Like, it'd be so confusing. They'd be scared for me. And they're like telling me, like, you know, there's there's cows, there's vacas, mucho vacas, you know, be careful. I'm like, oh, it's... And I just... And and it was funny because I look at it thinking, yeah, that is kind of interesting. I wasn't... When I'm running, it's another element. It's like sailing. I'm not afraid. I feel challenged. I mean, there is a fear. But it's a challenging fear. There's a difference from a fear that makes you stop and where you you get numb and you're terrified. And then there's a fear of a challenge of a goal where you're just driven to it. And you're like, yeah, it's like, I like this. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And, you know, back then there wasn't trackers. I didn't have a tracker on my phone. None of that. It was so long ago that I'm like, God, anything could have (laughs) happened. But but I felt like a superhero when I'm running. I feel like I'm superwoman. I'm like, nothing can stop me. No one can catch me. It's your happy place. And so I came down with this one group called the Baja Ha Ha. Mm -hmm. And it's a Latitude 38 magazine. Um, the, The owner of it at the time, he created this fleet of 200 boats that come down from San Diego to here. So when they heard about me, they invited me to come on their boat. 
the mastership catamaran and I could promote this area and come down with them sailing and they have you know so I'm like okay I flew up and sailed down with them 2012 and it was just wild like I had my running shoes and every time we came into a port I'm like looking on land I'm like oh yeah okay and I'm like trying to scope out where I can run yeah. and then we'd get there and then they would drop the dinghy and I'd be like okay I'll be back and they're and they were a little bit disappointed because they were hoping that every time they came into a port that I would hang out with them and all the boats come and dinghy over and everyone's just like partying and and it was great but I'm like I'm not big into like partying I just want yeah I want to run so I would just take off running and they would get scared because they're like where's cat she's gone she's been gone for hours and I would come back and I felt so good it was such a reset so it was nothing better than running in remote areas getting back on a boat and sailing yeah, I was like, it was, yeah, and and both it's of like them recharging your batteries. Yeah, and you're alone. I'm running alone. Yeah. When I'm sailing, even though there was a group, when I'm on a boat, I don't. I get into my zone. I just focus, and it's therapy. Yeah. It is. It is definitely therapy, and it's necessary. And I think when people tell me they're afraid to cross the Pacific or they have anxiety on crossing the Pacific and it's the boat going to make it and they're worried about getting all the stuff ready and provisions and fix this and this, I feel like the fear isn't that. It's their mental fear that they're going to be out at sea for 20 days. Right. That's true, right? We often... And we are really good at finding excuses <laughs> to keep holding us back from dealing with something. So true. I could relate to that. So once you do the crossing... And they get over there and they realize they're a whole different person. And it's not for everyone. People either love it or hate it. And you can't pretend to like sailing. There is no pretending. There, you love it or hate it. You can't just be like, it's okay and I like going and I'm just going to do it. And so the people that just do it for someone else, which you see a lot of, you'll see miserable kids because they have to, or a wife. Or you see women that have a husband that's not really a sailor and he's doing it for his wife. It, yeah. But when you have the people that are doing it because they want to appease the person that is that is their dream, they're they're not happy, and that, and I see that a lot, and it's unfortunate. And I feel like when I do these women who sail talks, it's good for the women to share th this information with each other to maybe help help them or kids. Kids are a little bit more honest. They'll tell their parents, right. I hate this. This sucks. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to do this. But it is also a healing because people who think they hate it and when they find their center in it, which is them. Right. Because we all want to feel like we're important in what we're doing. Yeah. And if you don't understand something and you're doing it, you don't feel like you're important in it. And that could make you not want right. to do that. So, and it. You know, women are like, I don't know diesels, I don't know rigging, I don't. And I always tell women, yeah, but you are a sailor because you're on the ocean. If yeah. you're on a boat and you know exactly what this little switch does and you know what that does and your husband or you're on the boat by yourself or a kid's on the boat by themselves and they know exactly what to do, trust me, you're a sailor. You know what's going on. Right. You, you know that you need to fill those water tanks. You know that that fuel needs to be here. You know what the sails should be doing. You yeah. know when it's dangerous when the boat's anchored out. You know when you're on the dock and the power shuts off. You know exactly what to do. Like, there's all these little things, and it sounds so weird, but it's so important. Even provisioning, the refrigeration, oh, cooking, yeah. propane, it goes on and on. It's yeah. things that we don't, you don't realize in a house. Yeah, there's always something to do.
Well, it's a way of finding yourself. Yes, it is. You know, and even if, and if you are there for the wrong reasons, it'll become apparent. Yes. (laughs) And yeah, it's, it's life. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But more women moving here that are not married or their kids are already grown or they don't have children and I'm, and they're in my age group, you know? And so it's, it's been interesting to see and it's been kind of nice to see because I have so many friends now and that was something that wasn't here before. It was only people that were retired. And there's more people I think that are traveling that I noticed in the 12 years and they're moving around and, and here in La Cruz. So it's been kind of nice for me because sailing is part predominantly not so much now but when I was doing it mostly men it, yeah and so now and there wasn't anyone really my age if there was it was an older it was like a grandma age. right so it's nice now that it's like wow I have these friends that want to go run and hike and swim and you know, like, like it's just weird. They want to go breakfast and lunch. And yeah, I'm always great. like, Mike, I'm going here, I'm going here. And <laughs> I didn't have a lot of that. So it's exciting. I feel like I almost am reversing in time. And everything's like getting <laughs> exciting now. <laughs> That's wonderful. Well, we definitely can be more nomadic, right? A lot of people have become more nomadic. Yes. And of course, with the internet and fiber optics and everything's becoming more it's easier to to work and not have to be physically at the place of business that is paying you so it's it's changed completely and um but there was a funny thing when i was at apple computer early 90s there was an email that got circulated to everyone within the group and it said where do you see yourself in 15 years and at that time i was in my 20s and i'm like Oh, and then my 15 years, and, I, and everyone's <laughs> like, I'm going to own a house, I'm going to be married, I'm going to have this, I'm going to start this business, blah, 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 blah. And then I said, I'm going to have a tent, a Jeep, and I'm just going to go and rock climb and camp. That's right, that's going to be, ah! that's my, and I said, oh, and I said, in my leather bikini. And ah! I was like, and it was funny, and I sent that out, and, and there could be nothing more true other than a leather bikini, but... <laughs> The fact there's of, still time. There's still yeah, time. Yeah, there's still time. Just, but I wanted to have less. That's interesting. And everyone wanted more. And it yeah. was kind of ironic when I think about that email. And yeah. I'm like, I need to send Apple computer and see. I'm sure they have it in an archive and get that because that was funny. And it, it was, yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, those little moments, right, and how they shape our lives sometimes yes. we, without us even realizing it. Thank you for listening. Please follow on Twitter at C is Medicine, on Instagram at The C is Medicine, and please stay C-spired. Until next time.